On this episode, we're joined by Richard Darner, who is the co-founder and CEO of the fintech startup Tembo Money. So today we're going to discuss their mission to transform later life and family lending, how they've built their products and their vision for the future of the UK mortgage market. So Richard, firstly, thank you for joining us today. Um, for those that aren't familiar with Tembo Money as a company, can you give us an intro into what the company does? Yeah, so um, Tembo Money is aiming to help families manage their money more effectively together as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're taking inspiration from what um, ultra high net worth do through, through family offices. Mm-hmm. And we want to build a platform that allows families, every family to manage their finances sort of more, more savvily as a family together. Um, and we started off um, in, with Homebuying, that's our first kind of area. Um, and we've launched as a, as a, a digital broker, mm-hmm. um, focusing on alternative ways to fund the bank of mum and dad for first time buyers. So before we dive into that in a bit more depth, I'm always interested to hear the the origin stores, stories of companies and how they're founded. And I understand you, a bit of an interesting one, because you founded around a year ago, with all the events of uh, the last year, that must have been quite interesting in itself. So so how did you come to co- co-found uh, Tembo Money? Yeah, so I started off um, my career in, in corporate restructuring, mm-hmm. so helping lenders when things had gone a bit um, bad with their with their loans. Mm-hmm. I worked at Ernst Young and then joined a client, Thomas Cook, um, and then left Thomas Cook to set up my own travel business. So I had a travel business for four years, which I sold. Mm-hmm. And then I joined a venture capital company where I was, I was CFO. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've actually invested, they were our first investor into, into Tembe. But I was there for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were surrounded by these amazingly innovative businesses. You know, we had 200 businesses in the portfolio, doing incredible stuff across all these different sectors. Um, but what struck me was, despite all the innovation, actually, you know, property, having a home, and um, we kind of go backwards a bit on it. You know, mm-hmm. um, there are half the number of first-time buyers this year uh, in the last sort of five years on average than there were 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also for renters, you know, there's growing um, insecurity around, you know, being kicked out. So mm. um, the idea of Tembo is to try and help solve that mm-hmm. um, or be part of that solution to to have more security around around home ownership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So was this an idea that kind of came to you, you know, uh, you know one afternoon sitting <laughs> in the garden or what was, what, how did you all come to? No, I was, I was, I was always really interested in um, in the inequality and wealth between generations. Right. Um, quite a random thing to be interested in, but it just looks like, you know, the, you hear a lot about inequality amongst other areas, but mm. actually this is really different because mm. there's not a sort of, um, there's not a lot of um, an, an, an animosity between the generations, yes. but there is just this big imbalance. Um, 75% of property wealth is owned by people over 55, mm. but 80, 80% of the population is under 55. Mm. So you've got this big imbalance. Um, and actually, you know, we're trying to work out ways to try and smooth that balance a little bit more mm. um, so that you can help younger people have, have access to capital actually when, when they need it. Yes, yes. And I guess with all the asset price inflation of the last sort of 10 years or so, none of that's not actually very liquid for, for older generations. If exactly. it, so I guess exactly. there's a lot of companies or a number of companies approaching this from different angles yeah. of how you can kind of unlock that to perhaps help the younger generation. Yeah, and I think it's worth just touching on, you know, if you look at the equity release market, mm. um, that's actually still a very niche market. It's 4 mm. billion of lending amongst 1.8 trillion property. Yes. And I think, you know, they've obviously had some reputational issues with scandals in the past kind of 20, 30 years, mm. but actually the products haven't changed that much. There's been some innov- innovations to the core lifetime mortgage product okay. but actually a whole variety of more flexible products to allow people to to borrow into later life i think that's where the opportunity is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so again before we sort of dive into the product in more detail um you founded and started this company remotely so yeah. you must have done right how, how was that like setting yeah, up a team I mean, remotely and I, I remember at the beginning of the um of the, of the pandemic i, I mm. sort of thought to myself i would never be able to hire someone without meeting them in person yes and roll forward you know whatever it is a year and a half and i've Hired you know, twenty people, yes. all remotely. Yeah. Um, we actually met the. I'm quite tall. We met the uh, the the team 
about you know for the first time about six or nine months ago and they were like wow we all thought you were really short really <laughs> so they have this kind of weird dynamic but yeah it's yeah. been it's been you kind of get used to it doesn't it but mm. i think in terms of the sector we're in it's actually really helps advance things quite a bit mm. um, in terms of pushing people online um and you know a lot of still a lot of mortgage applications and, and that in that area were being done in person or yeah. you know that's really driven that forward whether mm-hmm. it will go back i don't know um, mm. but i think it's had benefits i agree Cool. So in terms of the product then, so can you break it down in a bit more sort of detail, how your services and product work um, and how you built out the technology around that? Yeah. So we're trying to bridge the affordability gap Mm -hmm. um, for people buying a house. So that can either be the amount they earn, means they can't quite borrow enough to afford the house they want, or they haven't been able to save up a big enough deposit. Right. So those are kind of the two areas. Um, I think it's worth just touching in terms of the problem. I've already mentioned this imbalance in in, in wealth, but also help to buy. Um, which has been funding between 20 and 40% of people's, a lot of first-time buyers' home ownership, that's coming to an end. Or mm-hmm. if it doesn't come to an end this year and they roll it, it will come to an end at some point. Mm. So there's this kind of issue where people are struggling to afford to buy a home. And what we're also finding is that you know, a lot of people uh, are actually paying more in rent than they would be if they were having a mortgage. Mm. So the kind of monthly repayments, obviously there's like stress testing on it, but you know there is, there is an, an issue there in terms of people not being able to afford to make that first jump. Mm-hmm. Um, we already know the Bank of Mum and Dad is massive business. You know, I think it's like the sixth or seventh um, lender in the in, in, in if, it was a, if it was a mortgage lender. Um, but the issue is that's really just for kind of about a third of the population. So mm-hmm. people whose families are wealthy enough just to have some cash and hand it over. Right? Yeah. Um, that means there's two thirds of the people that don't have access to that. Mm-hmm. So our kind of core market, we do help some of the wealthy people as well, but our core market is this middle third of people mm-hmm. whose family might own a home or they might have a pension, but they don't have that available cash that they want to just hand over because they mm-hmm. might be worried about their future to their children. So we're trying to help people find alternative ways to, for their families and willing close family friends mm-hmm. to fund the bank of mum and dad. And broadly speaking, there are two key ways. The first way is... Um, through what we call the deposit boost. So this is using an alternative later life product to unlock a bit of money from a family member's house, which is then transferred over and that can fund the uh, deposit. Mm -hmm. The other way is if the family member doesn't own a home or if they don't want to take money out of their home, Mm -hmm. they can add themselves onto the mortgage as a joint borrower. So joint borrower sole practice. That's our kind of income boost type product where we are focusing on trying to increase the affordability of of first-time buyers. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of the two areas we're focusing on. We're actually just about to launch a third area, which is for the third of people who have no one who could help them. Mm. And this is looking at all the kind of alternative uh, propositions that are starting to emerge, okay. uh, what I'd call like private help to buy schemes. So that's kind of yep. a bit later on for next year. Yes. So the way it works is someone will come onto our, we're currently direct to consumer, um, but we are launching a B2B platform. We're partnering with some lenders to actually power their lending online. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also um, uh, distributing it through IFAs and actually through mortgage advisors and mortgage networks. Mm-hmm. Um, but they will come onto our website if it's direct to consumer and they'll fill in some information about themselves and about a willing family member. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will use our optimization algorithms to work out what is actually the best buying structure for them, given what we know. Right? Okay. They can then go into our, our platform and play around with the plan. They can add in different boosters. They can share it with their families. Okay. And I think that's really important because you know the normal home buying process for a first-time buyer is what, three or four months? Mm. Actually, what we're finding is it's a really long process to discuss it and get family members' mm. heads right over it. So probably like five or six months. Mm-hmm. And we see people really engaging with all the tools we've got on the platform to actually kind of play around with how they could help and what kind of yes. they might be able to buy. So that's yeah. that element. Mm-hmm. And then the, the next element is they then fit in our fact find and we can then book them in with one of our advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we have a team of five advisors already really experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've found is actually both for our company, learning about what our customers want, but also 
you know, the key decision maker here is, is the parent or the family member. Um, they often really want to speak to someone on, on the phone as well. So mm. that's a really key part of our process. Yeah. Um, and something that we're really, really focused on. And then I guess the final element is, you know, we will arrange the loans. We're a, we're a broker, so mm-hmm. we'll go to lenders and we'll arrange the, the loans for them. Yes. Cool. So there's quite a lot of this. I guess the first thing is part of your product then or your user journey is also there's like an education piece. Isn't it? It's quite a different, even though some of these products might, might have existed for quite a while, you, as you sort of alluded to, you know, the, there's a, the, the knowledge perhaps isn't out there in terms of, you know, explaining this product and it takes a bit longer. So, so you've used digital tools to enable education as well and self-service around building the, you know, building up kind of illustration of what it could look like for me. Is yeah, that right? exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that is that what you sort of hit the nail on the head there. There, mm. um, people often think, why have I not heard of this before? Mm. And is it too good to be true? Is it a scam? Is it a scam? Because <laughs> it's like, you know, one simple, we're, we're focused and I've really just talked now about the affordability. Mm. But actually one of our really strong user cases is, even if the buyer can afford the house, yeah. right? if you've got a 5% deposit, mm. right, if you borrow exactly the same amount, but you put a little bit against a family member's home and then you have an 80% mm. loan rather than a 5%, you know, 5% rather than 20% deposit, you yeah. can actually save about 40 to 50% yes. in interest costs over the first five years. Mm. So people are like, why didn't I know about that before? So yeah, education is a really key bit. Yes. Um, and we've found that direct to consumer, we've had really good traction. We've had really good interest. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got like four or 500 people in, in the, in the process. Okay. Um, but, um, we're actually finding that it needs to be explained, we think, more mm. by third parties. So that's why we're partnering with IFAs. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them, you know, there's a really strong rationale mm. um, because they, they get people coming to them saying, I want to draw down some money for the bank of mum and dad, yeah. for my investments. Can you take it out for me? Obviously, the mm. IFA is kind of keen to keep assets under management. Mm. And so this is a really great alternative for IFAs yes. to be able to fund that kind of bank of mum and dad yes. activity. Yeah. And I think you said that you powering you partner with some lenders as well and you're kind of powering their can you sort of give a little detail on yeah that? so the actual well, we've done a couple, a couple of lenders we haven't launched it yet mm-hmm. but it's kind of been piloted and it's going live in, in january um, but one of the really big mortgage lenders in the uk um they obviously really focused on helping first-time buyers but mm-hmm. also with, with an eye on what's happening with help to buy yes um, and so um, we are helping them bring together their later life products mm-hmm. and also their first-time buyer products on a white label platform so people that fail a dip Yes. Um, not for credit, but for affordability. Mm. They then get pushed through our journey. Yeah. Um, and that allows the, this lender to then couple up just their own products, but like, here's a first time mm. buyer loan. And if your family member putting 50 grand using a real yes. or something, yeah. then, then that kind of, um, helps interesting, yeah. interesting. And that, that application can be used, you know, not just with lenders. Mm. It could be used around pension drawdown. Mm. You know, often people drawing down their tax free amount, they would yes. use the bank of mom and dad. So there's loads and loads of applications where yes. we are looking to partner. Okay, interesting. So from a technology point of view then, can you sort of paint the picture on how you've built this out in the last year? Yeah, so I'm not a technologist. Uh, I am an accountant. Okay. <laughs> so, um, but I've got an amazing um, CTO, mm-hmm. uh, a guy called Jeff, he was at Babylon Health, um, and then a chief product officer who was at Mojo Mortgages. So they kind okay. of br- brought with them a bit of mortgage industry knowledge, but also more, more deep tech knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, we've started off by having an in-house tech team. So I think yep. that's quite important. Um, and what we've done is we've really focused all of our building and our product around the consumer. So mm. we are in a beneficial place where we have to speak to our customers. Yes. But that means we've spoken to 2,000 families. Yeah. And um, we've also spoken to more people in kind of forums, but mm-hmm. we've spoken to people who are really in the market. So we've really shaped our product design around mm-hmm user insights. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the second thing is we've looked around to see what platforms we can use yeah. 
without having to rebuild. So we started off with CRM. We've actually built our own kind of CRM because it wasn't quite bespoke enough. Okay. Um, sourcing, we've used, you know, 27 Tech, but actually for the more niche products like JBSPs and Rios, mm-hmm. we've had to sort of build our own sourcing. So we've kind of used bits and then bolted yes. bits on. Yeah. Um, and then the kind of core bit of technology that we've built is this mm. optimization algorithm. So yes. kind of working out um, what is it that is the best structure for the family, mm-hmm. depending on what their um, what they want. So if mm-hmm. they want to save interest, it's this. If they want to just increase the amount they can mm-hmm. borrow, it's this. If they want to de-risk, it's this. So um, that's kind of the, the key bit of tech that we've yes. built. Okay. Um, and we've also, you know, spent a lot of money on our user experience. It's inherently a really complex product. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Mortgages are already complex, um, mm-hmm. and first-time buyers haven't done them before by their nature. Yes. Um, and there's also this kind of underlying suspicion around later life lending. So yes. we've had to have a very seamless user experience, which is mm. obviously still in progress. Yeah. Um, but we've also had a kind of robust technology underneath. Interesting. So I'd imagine you've done a fair amount of usability testing as you're building exactly. product with, with users, yeah, yeah, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, actually, in terms of the, the kind of modular kind of build that you've taken. So although you've built your own CRM now, right, but, uh, yeah. but you're using kind of modular sourcing platforms where yeah. you can this sort of stuff wasn't really possible sort of 15, 20 years ago. There's so much out in the market and given that, you know, APIs and stuff could enable uh, different systems to talk to one another, it's quite sort of interesting to see how quickly you can spin up yeah. a new platform. Yeah, um, well, we basically, um, we had an API right from the beginning, so it's mm-hmm. really helped us to enable to build partnerships as well. Yes. So both fit in and out into our... Mm-hmm. So we have a kind of our own CRM. We then use um, Acre, which is like the, the mortgage actual CRM we use for the for the mortgages. Okay. We have a kind of CRM that sits on top of that yes. that manages all our kind of broader activity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard if you have three or four people on a mortgage, a lot of the CRMs aren't geared up for that. Yes. Um, yeah. So there's kind yes. of lots of niche stuff that we're kind of working on yes. and where there, there isn't a solution to it yes. ourselves. But we're definitely of the view... If it exists, let's not be let's yes. not be proud. Let's just yes. take it in. <laughs> I'm totally surprised you described your optimization engine. Most startups would say, you know, machine learning, oh, AI yeah, driven, yeah. etc. That's so obviously you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, 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 I mean, obviously you got all that, but like people just glaze over when you say that. Yeah. Everyone says it. And I worked at founders, you know, the, the investor place, and we had yes. 200, 200 investments in every single deck, like yeah. AI, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then you're basically like, it's a spreadsheet in the back. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's smart. It's really clever. Yes. Um, but it is yeah, optimization technology. Yes. I, I can drop the AI. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll follow that through then. So I noticed on your site you you talk uh, about the real value of speaking to a real human being. I think he even says a real human being i'd be quite interested in kind of how you see that balance between kind of a digital journey and that human element of human advice and how you kind of balance that moment at the moment yeah so we went to the our first sort of route to market was targeting the first-time buyers mm-hmm. um, so we felt they had the most to gain from it mm. but also they were the most easily accessible for a digital approach mm-hmm. so we targeted there and the idea with the first time buyer we then introduced the concept to the family member mm-hmm. um, but actually you know that's that's worked but actually what we've realized is there's a big drop-off when this complex solution is not really, really being sold properly to the family member so we're now broadening right. that out and speaking to the family member and what we found from speaking to them is whilst you know people in their 50s and 60s are really digitally savvy yes actually they do want to have a phone number uh, yes. and when we've put on a phone number onto a website for example mm. you know, that's just increased conversion so okay. having that even if you, even if people aren't ringing the number, having the knowledge mm. that there is a group of people sitting there and it's not some yes. really helps. Okay. Um, but also, you know, it's a really complex product. So mm. we do, you can't book an appointment to speak to someone unless you've spent, you know, 15 or 25 minutes probably actually engaging on the site. So mm. you need to fill in quite a lot of information. You need to create a plan. You mm. need to have, you know, started your fact find. We don't do any soft credit searches or anything. Okay. So you don't, there's not, not that commitment and we don't charge the fee to speak to the mm. advisor. Um, but you need to show an engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't just want people ringing up and, you know, doing the whole thing on the phone. Um, uh, and, but, but actually I think 
often the advisor call is like really, really critical, apart from it being a regulatory requirement. It's really, really critical um, to um, kind of give the confidence that's needed. Mm. And often you have questions that the tech just hasn't quite caught up with because yeah. um, there's so many you know, edge cases, aren't there? Yes. Um, so we, we, I think there will always be a call there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's such a fundamental decision. This is not someone just buying a house on their own. They're actually looping in their family mm. as well. You're talking about mm. pensions, you know, family homes, all this stuff. I think it would be kind of, it's going to be a long way off yes. and where that could be pure, pure digital. Mm. And, um, and we, 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 sort of think it's really important. I think the other element is around safeguarding. So, you know, there is obviously a risk here that there could be some persuasion mm. <laughs> between family members to yes. things people do. So we want yep. to make sure we're speaking to each family member separately. Uh, and so we're ensuring and we're asking them questions to ensure that we're comfortable yes. that, you know, a child isn't saying, hey, you know, I'll have yeah. the money, give it to me or else. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of, that is, you know, it's, it's really yes. important. So yeah. I think the call will always be there. But actually, mm. there's so much other stuff that can be automated, mm. particularly on the back end. Mm. There's so much paperwork going around mm. um, still. Um, and, you know, you're, for, given that we're dealing with quite a lot of small lenders, um, which is kind of, you know, they, they are specialists. Um, actually, you're only in many ways as good as the level of the lender. Because yes. if you're doing something and the lender is deciding to do their monthly, you know, credit meeting with bits of paper, then that's basically, that's yes. your timeline you're on. Mm. Um, but we can kind of, I think there's a lot of work to do to improve that efficiency. Interesting. I guess to the point we were talking about earlier, the, you know, the events of the last 18 months, two years or so, we do a lot of stuff with specialist lenders and we've seen big advances in, well, they had to adapt yeah, to, exactly. to adopt it's been good. Yeah. new technology. So hopefully that, that continues. So from a user journey point of view, are you utilizing things like sort of open banking lookups and, you know, AVMs and digital ID? Is that going yeah, to be the Yeah. So digital used? ID, um, we're using, we're building in, um, open banking. I think, okay. you know, I've worked in a lot of, I've been on the board of like five or six of these fintech businesses that have used open banking. Mm-hmm. And I think the uptake has not been that great. So mm-hmm. I think it, I think it's getting better, uh, but I'm not sure. So I wouldn't want to force people to do open banking. Yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, for affordability and stuff, and a lot of the lenders won't even accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't relied on it, but I think okay. we will build it in. Okay. Um, so it's definitely something we want to do. And the vision is really to have this platform that allows people to yes. effectively have their own private family bank. Mm-hmm. And when they're on that, then things like financial planning, um, we can use from open banking. So very like tools to help people do that. Yes. So, um, I think we will bring in open banking, but I'm kind of still waiting for it to kind of, um, become more widespread because you're going to basically have a two stream approach where you have to have a non open banking journey and open yes. banking because you don't want to lose people just because of that. Yes. I think I saw a press release from the open banking foundation or, Six months or so that it was like, oh, it's tripled over the last 18 months. You're like, well, that's great, but it's still from a fairly low base. But I do think that even from conversations with, uh, users we do our usability testing, it certainly is growing, you know, knowledge of what open banking is and acceptance that this is secure. Yeah. Uh, and kind of, uh, um, if there's a benefit to the user of instant, you know, uh, affordability check based on, yeah. uh, actual data without having to do paper statements certainly certainly an advantage there it's something i've actually found really interesting um i know if you're doing a remortgage then speed is really important yeah but this whole thing around speed like Mm. we obviously try to be as quick as we can yes and we're not slow but given that the buying process by the time you've done your convincing takes about 12 12 weeks yeah i think there's other elements in terms of the quality of the output for me that are more important Mm. obviously you need to have a great customer experience Mm. but like getting the result within 24 hours to me Mm. was three days or whatever yeah i'm kind of like is that that important then you mm. given that you then need to wait for 12 weeks yeah obviously it's nice to have but i wouldn't say it's the kind of key burning issue yes particularly a more complex product exactly. I, I guess as exactly. well and that's, that's a great point around conveyancing so yeah there's been a lot of uh, you know focus at that 
beginning of that journey, but it will typically, you know, in terms of the, the mortgage life cycle, yeah. where does it fall down normally? It's normally around sort of conveyancing in terms yeah. of And we the really struggle there because, mm. you know, do we want to recommend a conveyancing firm that mm. even though they've done it last time, they might then trip it up and then we'll yes. get, you know, it's yes. a really bad reflection on us. So there is loads of work to do yes. in that whole, whole area. It's interesting. I speak to a fair amount of people in the conveyancing world as well. And I think there is a growing recognition and ambition to quite, you know, radically overhaul that process. Obviously, yeah. there's things that government are helping with, for example, around digital ID. There's a set of standards now that uh, uh, land registry is saying, like, we, we, you know, uh, and the Conventional Association is saying. And they've announced some money in the budget, haven't they, for, mm. um, for to invest into digital conventions? Yes. Yeah. So I think it's the momentum is building there as well. Yeah. Um, Cool. So, in terms of your platform, then, so you've got this. You've done, had a busy year, then. It sounds yeah. like you've <laughs> raised money as well. So that's always a yeah. Yeah. So what's uh, what's the deal there? So, yeah, so we raised the seed round from um, led by Viva, Viva mm-hmm. Ventures, um, and also a business called an investment fund called Fair by Design. So that's okay. Backed by Nationwide and the Joseph Ramsey Foundation. And they're an ethical investor. Okay. And I can, they're they're really focused on this poverty premium. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting because you know if you are a homeowner um, mm-hmm. over a twenty year period compared to a renter you'd be on average about £180,000 better off based on the last 20 years. Yes. So there is like a growing recognition that actually trying to get people on the property side, it will help mm. start accumulating wealth. Yeah. And actually the more that people don't do that, the gap, the gap between the people that have it and don't will just grow. So mm. we're kind of focused on that. And also obviously there's the element of, you know, if you can boost your deposit, you can get much, a lot of money off the, off the interest rate. So it's really, it's been really great having them on board. Yes. Yes. And I guess maybe not a topic for this uh, podcast, but, the wider societal benefits of people having a stake uh, and that, that that kind of the, the distinction between the generations can have other negative effects so i think yeah. certainly there's a argument there's a there's a greater good here as well yeah yeah so you've had a quite a varied background as you sort of alluded to at the beginning of this uh, you've come into uh, the lending world what most surprised you about the kind of maybe from a technology point of view or, or just generally the mortgage and lending world when you when you first came in yeah i think I had a travel business, so kind of I think there's quite it's natural to like compare. Mm. Actually, there are some good comparisons. I think you know, it's quite a small industry in terms of like it's quite a small network. Yeah, really, when you boil it down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's interesting. I think um, I would say travel is probably a few years ahead in terms of the technology. Obviously, mm-hmm. they've got a less complex product mm-hmm. but in terms of kind of the back end and all, all the technology. I think the front end is starting to improve. You can see that particularly with like vanilla type products. Yeah, um, and you know Habitat and stuff have done an amazing job there. Um, but I would say that there's still the back end stuff. There's loads, and I think mm. you know um, a lot of the lenders have um, had a pretty good time, I guess, with you know, the mortgage lending. And uh, you just see a lot of kind of legacy systems mm. um, that make it quite hard to innovate quite quickly. Mm. But I actually think that creates a great opportunity for us because if we have an API, you can kind of circumnavigate their yes. systems, and actually they can test stuff. What we found with our lenders so far is they okay. can kind of test that stuff quite quickly, um, either via a white label or, or an API mm. outside of these kind of core cool legacy systems. So I think, yeah, I was, I was surprised that it was still like paper being shifted around. And when you're, yes. when you're registering, we've just gone, been directly authorized. You know, when you're registering with all the lenders, it's all like paper forms you need to sign and everything. Yeah. So there is still quite a bit of that. Mm. Um, but I think it's, it's moving in the right direction. I think the last 18 months, you know, where certain products could only be sold in person, mm-hmm. um, that's really pushed forward. Yeah. You know? And for me, whilst it's nice to be sold in person, um, obviously we wouldn't do that. Actually, if you've got calls recorded and stuff, it makes it much more secure. Mm. Um, if you can have it in a position where, you know, You've got yes. more control over the advice process. Yes. And I guess particularly you said that you're working with more specialist lenders as well. Yeah. Has it almost perhaps been an advantage that they, you know, maybe maybe they're looking for kind of a white label solution? Exactly. To, yeah. yeah. Yes, there's opportunity And I think, there. yeah, and they haven't needed to do it. Mm. But, um, you know, if you look at the larger 
the way that the market is going and there's such an opportunity here. There's a lot of different startups are, are, are sort of coming into the space, whether or not they'll succeed or not, who knows. Yes. But it's starting to create that kind of um, challenge, I guess. Mm. And, you know, one of the big challenger banks where you can see Starlings already going to mortgages, you know, yep. where they're going to start positioning and their mm. user experience will presumably be mm. um, superior. So it's trying to, like, keep up with that game um, yes. and seeing how we can work with the lenders. Like, we never wanted to be a lender. We always wanted to sit mm-hmm. in the middle and provide the technology. Yes. Um, but um, I think that's, yeah, that, that's yes. what I found. You know, it certainly, it certainly feels like the last sort of couple of years, really, there's been a lot of focus and time and effort in trying to think about how you can reinvent uh, the mortgage loan to make it better and faster. And it seems like it's after a bit of a slow start, momentum is really building. So it'd be really interesting yeah. to see, see, uh, what happens in the coming years, which I guess dovetails onto our, our final question for today, uh, before we wrap up. Um, plans for 2022. What's on the horizon and, um, yeah, what's down the track? Yeah. So more of the same, I guess. We, mm-hmm. we've done a really great job in the last, nine months of our direct-to-consumer proposition. Mm-hmm. Um, we just hired this great head of partnerships from Smart365, um, who um, over the last couple of months has just been getting some incredible inbound in terms of partnerships. Mm-hmm. So um, we're kind of having a partnership strategy of white label, as we've already talked about. So yep. we will white label our platform for lenders to use. Mm-hmm. And we've got some really great conversations going with some lenders and we'll launch in January our first one and then hopefully there'll be some more going on there. So that's a kind of uh, pure technology type offering, but it's mm-hmm. he- helping the lenders distribute these more niche products. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also building um partnerships with advisors so as you mentioned you know education is the kind of key thing here mm. um, and so we will be partnering with them um, okay. to help them strategically with their business whether if you're an ifa we can help you know help you help your client keep their liquidity and protect their assets under management mm-hmm. whilst also finding the bank of ad. so we're doing that distribution angle we're talking to some of the big ifa networks okay uh, but also mortgage brokers you know many mortgage brokers don't want to touch joint borrower products mm. and they'd prefer just to to share them over and we have a really generous revenue share scheme okay. so we, we we've got a referral program with quite a lot of the big mortgage networks where they will send them over so that's that one and then the third kind of key area is around house builders so clearly you know june is when the mm. help to buy stops they're starting to get a bit worried so we've had some really interesting conversations with the house builders around you know how can we become a one-stop shop for all these alternative products mm-hmm. to help fund you know people onto the onto the property ladder so that's the kind of the distribution mm-hmm. we've got loads more work we're going to do on our platform and on our technology creating the kind of steps towards this broader kind of family private bank and we'll also be launching um, later on in the year another lending area so another area of consumer lending so mortgages was always our first one okay and we're looking at another one which we'll be launching later down the year so we kind of need to decide exactly which one we've got two in the running and we need to decide which way way we're going to go with that Sounds like you've got a very busy year ahead. Busy year ahead, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's been fascinating to find out more about the product uh, today. So thank you very much for, for joining us. And um, thank you to our audience for listening.